So um, I'm going to uh, share, if we look at this um, fighting the good fight, share a few thoughts from Nehemiah, actually. I've spoken on Nehemiah for quite a few years, but Nehemiah chapter 4. Um, I was thinking yesterday, uh, well, perhaps even the day before when Sam sent me, uh, or maybe he posted something on social media with this amazing number of 611 people who globally have moved in to be part of this Eden network. I was thinking of the extraordinary thing that is, the amazing sense. And I was also thinking of how many acts of kindness are represented there, how many Asher stories, but also how many just loving people and serving people and going beyond and generosity and kindness and bold gospel transformation. I mean, it's, it, you can't really quantify it, can you? When you think, what a beautiful, beautiful thing you've been part of. And thank you so much. And I hope that today, some people might be like, I want to be the 612th. You know, we are rolling out teams at the rate of one a month. But every three days, somebody makes this amazing sacrificial decision to, to move downwardly mobile into our, usually downwardly mobile, into our most deprived communities. And if you want to be part of that adventure, please will you see Sam or any of us and we'd, we'll um, give you the keys to your council house this afternoon. <laughs> It'll be a beautiful moment. So, um, I, uh, you know, one of the, one of the sort of burdens slash privileges I have, I guess is uh, as one of the key resource raisers for the message, you know, going out, trying to keep feeding this thing, you know, just doing 12 Eden teams in a year, we've got to find, uh, what, 600 grand, just to grant fund those this year, the whole budget's about six million pounds, and, and uh, it's just a miracle after miracle to see that coming, and it, it comes in as thousands and thousands of people play their part, but there are some glory stories I've got that are like, and the best one, I think, was in 2008, and we've always lived on the edge, I think most... Um, most, you know, cutting edge ministries tend to live, you know, we can't stand to have big reserves. And so we're constantly pushing it out there into the mission field. And it can be a tough way to live. 2008, things were particularly bad. And I remember going off to this conference with my head filled with, oh, how are we going to pay the salaries this month? And, oh, you know, God, please help us not to get behind on bills because that's not going to honour you and all this stuff as the ministry's growing. And I went away to this conference in Portugal and uh, like a leaders conference and, and at the end of the conference we had a prayer and a ministry time and Mick Woodhead how many people know Mick Woodhead from St. Thomas Crooks what a beautiful man he is and he's been a great champion for the message in Eden but anyway Mick prophesied in front of all these leaders um, all these significant men and women um, Andy get ready because God's going to give you a million pounds and a million opportunities and I'm like that would be nice right now <laughs> You know, 50 grand would probably get me over this next hurdle, but a million pounds, and it's never happened before, and it doesn't happen. And, you, you know, actually people just give you a million pounds. They may occasionally, very, very few, three or four times a year, somebody might make a million pound donation to a charity. But I'm like, okay, praise the Lord. Off I went. So I left Thursday night. Friday morning, I was meeting one of our major donors in McDonald's. It shows how skint we were for breakfast. <laughs> and... Uh, over in Ashton and uh, the guy said oh how did the conference go I said oh it's really great and uh, you know Mick Woodhead prophesied over me that God was going to give us a million pounds and a million opportunities be nice wouldn't it and uh, the guy went white and he said that's amazing because I've just done a deal to sell our business and uh, I told my wife that we're going to give a million pounds to the message and he gave us a million pounds 
and gift aided. George Osborne gave us another 250 grand. And uh, actually, we've, we've blown it all on mission now. And, and in fact, af after the, after the, um, you know, after that, a whole budget, because the, then the financial crisis, it was the last deal the bank did before the financial crisis. And um, after that, several of our major, major donors, you know, the hedge fund guys and all those people, they had to stop giving. And we would have been completely stuffed without that gift. We would have been like cutting back, cutting back. I mean, how kind is God? But the exciting bit about that prophecy is not the million pounds. And God only did that to get our attention about the million opportunities. And I don't think that's just like a million random acts of kindness. I think that's a million people at least are going to get saved. I'm believing that through this movement called The Message. I believe a million opportunities for Jesus to break in like he has done with Asher. I don't know, did you feel moved when John was sharing there? I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that we get to play some sort of tiny part in praying for that kind of thing to happen and starting stuff where beautiful Jesus-only stories. I spoke at the Scottish Parliament and there were 11 MSPs there. <laughs> it's true. Actually, it gets 150. <laughs> but but uh, what a precious, precious thing. And uh, are you excited to be part of it? And it's worth it. It's worth it for one, but we're going to see a million people. I believe it. Through the message movement, we're going to see a million lives transformed at least. And those lives, like ashes, are going to be placed at ever-expanding spheres of influence. So, but as we do that, we're going to stir up hell. Uh, William Booth, you know, the boy... And he knew a bit about financial pressure and crises and he knew a bit about creative ministry. He knew a bit about loving the poor and setting up businesses and all these things 150 years before we had any of these ideas. Uh, but William Booth said, we must be onto something good because hell is evidently excited by it. <laughs> and I mean, the opposition, especially in the early days, you talk about multiple buildings smashed down, offices being poured with, uh, with boiling oil all over them, murders. I mean, unbelievable stuff here in the UK as they just ploughed this incredible, uh, blaze this incredible trail of salvation. Anyway, so I want to talk from Nehemiah, and if you want a title, it's Standing in the Face of Opposition. Nehemiah chapter 1 to 3, you probably know, is the amazing story of a man consumed by the glory of God, determined at all costs to fulfill it. He's got his God-given God calling. He's going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, which protected the city, but also were a symbol of God's people. God was moving and the thing had been crushed. The enemies had taken over. It was a significant thing. And as a result, God was going to get great glory. And uh, Nehemiah 1 to 3 are like, it's, he's just riding the wave. Can't put a foot wrong. One thing after another goes right for him. Um, great faith towards this task, but also inspired strategic leadership, divinely appointed leadership. And as a result, he starts to achieve the impossible. Um, honestly, you may think I've slightly gone off my rocker when I say this, but that is what we have in this room. In this room, we have an incredible cause to bring glory to God, to rebuild some broken things. We have faith towards that and we have 
divinely inspired leadership. I'm one of them. You're one of them. Now, let's not get too big-headed about this because, you know, without the Lord, there's no way we could possibly be his leaders. Did you see that thing? And um, you're really going to think I've gone mad now when I say this. But did you see that thing? You know, I actually won Charity Leader of the Year Sunday Times. No, I'm just telling you that because it's a joke. I mean, I was there against, like, UNICEF and Royal College of Nursing and all these massive charities, like the biggest charities in the country. And these people have, you know, done degrees in leadership and they've, they've, they're leading these massive organisations. And there's the joker from Manchester who's got one O-level in woodwork. <laughs> and when Ben Shepherd called me up, honestly, I thought, oh, if it wasn't for you, Jesus, there's no way I have any right to pick up this. But because of you, God can just favour us Give us the, the favour, give us the platforms we need. And even at sometimes, just go, well done, my son. You know, well done, son, for just having a go at leading something for me. And it was, it was the Lord. But that's the kind of leaders we need. People who know they are God's leaders, but know without him they're nothing. And have faith towards an outrageous, dangerous faith. We've got that kind of faith, haven't we? We've got faith to believe communities are going to be transformed one broken life at a time. We've got faith to believe the righteousness of this cause is going to shine like the noonday sun. We're going to experience in our lifetime something what it feels like to live in a community where we can say this lands, it's like it's inherited for Jesus. Don't you want that? And as we do that, as we move forward with that, I think from the book of Isaiah we can we can be almost certain that we'll experience a lot of what they experienced. Six things I want to give you, right? And we're going to go through these quite quickly. Six things. The first thing is, conflict is inevitable. Chapter three is so exciting for Nehemiah. It's all the, the works advancing. And then suddenly at the start of chapter four, the opposition kicks in. And this is what happens. Sanballat. This beautiful man, Sambalat, not, he's a scumbag. <laughs> Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall. He became angry and greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and, and the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? No, he didn't. He said, what are these feeble Jews doing? And he had a clipboard, didn't he? <laughs> what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring these stones back to life from these heaps of rubble, burned as they are? And Tobiah the Ammonite, he also got his chip clipboard out. And he said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up, it would break down their walls of stones. It always happens every time. Every time we advance with the great work of God. Every time it seems like God's breaking through, hell gets excited and he stirs up people to come against it because the devil is an accuser. Raymond Brown says the devil wants to do six things to everybody who's involved in a great cause. He wants to belittle your qualities, deride your ambition, mock your optimism, laugh at your enthusiasm, undermine your confidence and magnify your problems. Anybody felt any of that over the years? You know, I've felt it all because it's what he does. It's where he's, a, he's an accuser. He's not just an accuser. He's a dirty, stinking liar. Amen. He lies to us and we listen to him and we accentuate the negative and eliminate the positive. I've got a mate who's a pastor who's doing a brilliant job. 
And one woman in his church is completely undermining and pecking away. And he's, he's ignoring all the great things that are happening and allowing this one woman, who's a bit of a nutter anyway, you know, to absolutely undermine and rob his peace. Why do we do that? Satan loves it when we do that. Comes from the pit, this kind of accusation. Don't you dare receive it. He's the father of lies. A fox could knock down this wall. No, he couldn't, Satan. It's nine foot thick. You know, this is serious wall we're building here. This is God's thing. It's strong. It's unstoppable. And we need faith to rise in the face of conflict. And if any of you experience it, God give us faith to go again, to stand tall, to believe in the righteous cause and push on. Because we win, actually. We always win. Jesus wins because we're on his side in the face of conflict. So the first thing is conflict's inevitable. Second thing is prayer is vital. What was Nehemiah's response to this opposition and these people trying to undermine him and Satan getting in? Hear us, O oh God, for we're despised, verse 4. Honest and passionate prayer. Do you mind if I say something I said yesterday? Same thing in a different, a different way. More prayer equals more blessing. I've seen it time and time and time again. Carl said it as well, didn't he, yesterday afternoon. Little prayer equals little blessing. When will we get it into our thick heads? The more we pray, the more breakthrough we see. We have this incredible thing called prayer. And my job as a leader is to keep prayer hot within the message. And your job as an Eden leader or an Eden team member is to keep prayer hot within your team and your part of this movement. You see, when my kids come to me, I want them to be honest. And I don't want, you know, Sam and Beth coming in when they've had a terrible day saying, Oh, thank you, Dad. You're just so amazing. Thank you for my home and my dinner. Thank you for my clothes. Thank you, God. Thank, no, not God. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> no, I have gone mad. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. I want Sam to say, oh, Dad, I've had a lousy day. And I'm like, come on, mate, let's go again. Come on, how can I help? And I love that. And I think we, we need some honest and passionate prayer. Hear us, oh God. Our enemies are against us, but you're for us. God loves that passion. Right from 1 verse 4. Right at the start, we know Nehemiah was a man of passion, a man who loved to pray. And his breakthrough came on the back of incredible prayer. Listen to this for a verse. Wouldn't this be amazing if we could say these things? When we heard about Parkhead, where the average male life expectancy is in his 50s and all the guys are on methadone, when there's death and carnage and destruction, when we hear about those things, imagine if it could be said, or whatever your community is, you know, all the broken within your community. Imagine if, if it, when I heard about what's happening on my Eden estate, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven because that's what Nehemiah started with. That's where this great adventure started. This rebuilding something significant for God started in that place of fasting and weeping and praying to the God of heaven. Honestly, the greatest blessing your team could get from these two days is a greater urgency and a greater passion amongst us to pray. There's no substitute. And I read this, A.T. Pearson, who knew a thing or two about this. There's never been a spiritual awakening in any country 
all locality that didn't begin in united prayer. So maybe if God's never done it before, it might be that he's not going to do it again. But it, and if there's never been a major move of God that didn't begin in united prayer, maybe we, get, we need to step up united prayer, don't you think? And I love some of the new prayer initiatives that are happening around the movement. Bring it on. We, we really, really have no idea how significant they are and how important they are. You see this album, right? Uh, prayer Storm. You know who Prayer Storm are? Well, not many of you do, probably. The bass team, James Aladrian, amazing. And they are nutters in terms of prayer. I mean, we had this event. We had this event called um, Thursday Night Live. It used to happen last year, you know, next door at the MEC. And uh, at the back end of last year, we had one of these live music events. And myself and Michelle were driving away, driving home, out the car park there. And there was a bunch of rough-looking lads outside the door there. And I said, oh, Michelle, I'm going to have to go back and see what's going on there. So I pulled back into the car park, went up to these lads, you know, big, tough-looking lads. And I said, uh, excuse me, lads, are you all right? Can I help you? They said, we've come for the all-night prayer meeting. And prayer storm, every Thursday night, have an all-night prayer meeting. Their prayer school starts at 10 o'clock at night and goes on till 2 o'clock in the morning every Friday. I mean, they are nutters. They are absolutely extreme prayers. I'm praying, 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 but so with the Salvation Army. I'm telling you, you know, we talk about all these glory days of the booze. Before, before the Pentecostal movement, before charismatic stuff, the booze are having these prayer meetings where everybody was just nailed to the floor under the power of God and they prayed all night. Uh, you can read about it in the annals. It's amazing stuff. But Prayer Storm, the album comes out. And did you know it went to number one in the Christian charts and top 100 in the mainstream this week? I'm like, and when I heard that, I'm like, how did that even happen? I mean, how did it happen? You know how it happened? Because God backs them up. They pray, I saw that's it. All I could see when I read that, I thought, no, it, it can't be possible. And so I look, it's like Bethel, Vineyard, number two and number three, number one, prayer storm from Manchester with the little office in our building that we let them have for nothing. <laughs> and uh, mainstream charts. I mean, we, none of our albums get in the mainstream charts. And we have all the 40,000 people on our mailing list and all this thing. And it's, it is the Lord, do you understand? He can do extraordinary, amazing things when we pray. Prayer is vital. Third thing is unity is essential. I love chapter 4, verse 6. This is Nehemiah's response. Chapter 4, verse 6. Um, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half his height, for the people worked with all their heart. We, we have no idea how significant it is that we're united. We're cheering each other on. We're going for this with all our heart. We went out for dinner last night, and the reason I brought my phone up here, because we got a beautiful text in. And I, Sam got it, actually. Sam Wood. We have £5,000 from our Eden team. We want it to give to help start another team. Can we please give it to help the Welsh team? So an Eden team is giving five grand to launch that Carnarvon team that we're raising funds for over this weekend. I mean, Gary Smith, who's not an emotional man, was crying when he at the table. <laughs> he took his glasses off. He went all misty-eyed. <laughs> I've never seen Gary do that. I didn't know he had it in him, actually. But 
it was just a, it was just a beautiful moment and don't you love that we're in this thing together and there's something in this room that's so significant we're united we're, we're dispersed all over the place all over the globe now but we're one people with one cause and there's a bond in this this room that's stronger than blood you know people say blood's thicker than water not for us for us, water, the water of our baptism, the water of the Holy Spirit, if you like, is a stronger than the family tie. You're my brother, you're my sister. I'm going to spend all eternity with you in heaven. You're going to look a lot better than you do right now, and so am I. <laughs> and you won't have any clipboards. It'll be beautiful. And you'll have an annoying little voice like that. <laughs> you, you know, you'll be singing like Whitney Houston. And Whitney will probably be there with all her baggage. She probably won't need a new voice, will she? But you might, and you'll get it. Why did I say all that anyway? <laughs> this is called digression that's not working. So anyway, but the point, now nah, there is a point. We're going to spend all eternity in heaven together. So let's try and live like it, eh? In this little bit of life. And Nehemiah, because he was a great leader, did something beautiful. He looked for the most vulnerable places and protected them, didn't he? Verse 13, therefore I stationed some people behind the lowest points of the wall at exposed places, posting them by families with their swords and spears and bows. And sometimes we need to protect our most vulnerable, don't we? In our team, we just need to look out because we're Jesus followers. We're not going to knock them because they haven't performed that great. We're going to protect them. We're going to find the places where we're vulnerable for attack and we're going to stand shoulder to shoulder. Let's do all we can to protect this good work. And he also, in this spirit of unity, people were starting to panic a bit. You know, there was some severe opposition coming now. And he spoke out faith, didn't he? Verse 14. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and officials, don't be afraid. How many times does it say don't be afraid in the Bible? 366, it says, by the way. One for every day of the year. You're not even allowed to be afraid on the elite year, all right? You know, was one, there's a don't be afraid for today. Whatever you're going, however vulnerable you feel, there's a don't be afraid for today. Don't be afraid, remember the Lord, basically. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. This is it. This is what we're doing. We're fighting for our nation, people. This is a big thing we're doing. It is not a small thing. It is significant and important, and we need all hands on deck, and we need to do everything we can. You see, we're never called to become united in the Scriptures. We're called to preserve what we've already got. We are united. There's only one church, one body, one Lord, one baptism, one faith, isn't there? Now, shout out, do this for me, just for me, would you? Shout out the name of your Eden team or your community you've come from after three. Just, hang on a minute, calm down, calm down. Let me say after three, would you please? Shout the name of your Eden team or your community after three. One, two, three. Now, would you shout the name of your Lord and Saviour after three? One, two, three. Jesus! That's it, isn't it? Many communities, but one Lord and Saviour. Many people represented here. Many streams and denominations represented here, but one Lord and Saviour. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. 
Even when faced with health crises and relationship problems and stress and financial pressure, when faced with sin, as you surely will be, in the camp and out of the camp, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. Because discouragement is understandable. Sometimes we pray, in my experience, and the conflict gets worse. Sometimes. Verse 7. Sambala, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Anamites, and the people of Ashad heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, and they became very angry. They plotted to come together and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble. Sheer tiredness and the scale of the work we're attempting can get to us. You know, I've, I've, oh, and this, I, I don't want to make sure this isn't some Andy Hawthorne pity party, but you know, this week I've had to speak 15 times. Now that's unusual. That doesn't normally happen. And at the start of the week, I was like, 15 times. You know, by the time I get to proximity, I'm going to be like this. You know, I'm going to be just like, I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> you know, I was just going to be like, hey, how can I do another talk? And then I've got to go to Birmingham tonight and launch higher. And then tomorrow we've got to go again. And, you know, it's like sometimes it can just the scale of this thing. That's why we need people alongside us saying, come on, let's go again. Don't be a nutter who takes on 15 talks every week. Certainly make sure you've not got, you got some rest next week. You're not doing 15 talks next week because you're heading for the loony bin, Andy, if you do that. But sometimes there is a scale of the work. There's an amount of things to be done. We need loving support and encouragement and people of faith around us. Don't be surprised if sometimes you feel mightily discouraged because it does go with the territory. Especially the territory you've chosen. We had a guy from Haiti here uh, in this room, a friend of mine, a beautiful man, a few months ago. And you know, in Haiti, you know a bit about opposition. I mean, you know a bit about Satan doing his worst, throwing his worst at you. But this beautiful man, Dan Irving, said this, and it really carried some weight at the time because we just um, had our, our. beautiful wife of our South Africa team leader had died on holiday at 38 and another guy was dying of cancer Tony who headed up all our all our catering and and there's a bunch of other stuff there was things happening swirling around you know one of our senior leaders had had this big fall and had to step down it was just it was rubbish and and Dan said this Satan will not give up uncontested territory and we're believing for lands inherited for Jesus He's not going to give up that uncontested. And John Bunyan, John Bunyan said, if Satan cannot win someone by flattery, he'll endeavor to weaken them by discouragement. Don't let him. And if you see it, sniff it out and come alongside that person. Say, come on, let's go again. We've got a great cause. It's worth it. Let's be those people. Because verse five, chapter, not verse, point five, sacrifice goes with the territory and sometimes we do have to work hard sometimes we do have to say this is a week of 15 talks if that's what you're called to this is a week of going over and beyond and above but actually we can't do that all the time you see listen to what they did what their response to all this opposition was I love this verse 21 so we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out 
At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor any men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. You see, sunset might be what's expected. Dawn till the stars come out, that's a different level of commitment, isn't it? And fascinatingly, how about this, right? I think the Lord might want to speak to us through Dunkirk. I didn't know Carl was going to say this, but the next picture I've got on my PowerPoint is this fella. This is Michelle's granddad, John, who died a few years ago, just before his 100th birthday. And I wanted to tell you about Dunkirk. I wanted to tell you about King George VI and the time he, when the battle was on and he called this National Day of Prayer and how there was... Terrible storms raining down on the German troops and the English Channel was like a mill pond because it seemed relevant to where we're at. And I wanted to tell you about the one little boat that set off across the English Channel on a rescue mission. And before they knew it, everything that floated was going across the English Channel. 700 vessels for four days, rescuing over 300,000 troops, saving Britain from what Winston Churchill called would have been a cataclysmic military disaster as the people prayed. As we had this National Day of Prayer, I was wanting to tell you all about that. And then Carl went and did it. Thanks a lot, Carl. <laughs> but this old boy was there. He was at Dunkirk. He's got his medals. And uh, he told me that with tears in his eyes, I'll never forget John telling me that I was up to my thighs for four days in water. Rest, and sometimes the water was blood red as we brought these men in, the troops off the boats. And he said, after four days, I didn't sleep for four days. I collapsed on the beach. And he said, this beautiful nurse came up to me. And he started crying, the old boy. He's in his 90s now when he's telling me this. He started crying. He said, this beautiful nurse came up and took my boots off. And all the skin came off with my boots. And uh, she massaged my feet. And she, he started crying. There's this girl, you know, cared for him on the beach there after all these days on this rescue mission. But you know, when John told me that, he had fire in his eyes. He was like, I was part of that, Andy. He wasn't saying, ooh, it hurt. He was a bit tired. He was like, I was part of one of the greatest rescue missions the world's ever seen. You know, I was part of winning this war. I fought the good fight, Andy. I was there. I wasn't like, you know, back, back there, back there. I was there. I was in the water. I was dragging Asher out. I was dragging those Muslims out in Oldham. I was dragging those people off the estate. Do you understand? I was rescuing people. And we won. That's us people. You know, when I'm 90-odd, I want to have some glory stories, don't you? Yeah, we pushed on. And sometimes it was almost unbearable. But I'm so glad I did it. Sacrifice goes with the territory. We're fighting for our brothers and sons and daughters and wives and husbands. This is war. There's bound to be a cost. There's bound to be casualties. Truth is all great vision, careful plans, resources come to nothing without sacrifice. Somebody's got to say, I'm going to move from here to here because I love Jesus and he's broken my heart for the least and the last and the lost. Somebody's got to say, I'm going to fill in a form and I'm going to sponsor an Eden team. Somebody's got to say, I'm going to pray like I've never prayed before. There's got to be some sacrifice or else we're not going to see anything happen. But my final point is this. God always wins. It's right, isn't it? When on the winning side, it's not fair, really. 
We know who wins. Jesus wins. And because we're on Jesus' side, we win. In the face of ridicule and fear and despondency and insecurity, some dropping out and falling away in the midst of this great cause. The job gets done. The prophecy is fulfilled. The word of God becomes reality. The kingdom advances. God's glorified. He wins. Hallelujah. And then we end up, you know, Nehemiah 6.15. So the wall was completed in 52 days. Suddenly, immediately things happened. All the praying, all the preparing, all the sacrifice, all the good heart, all the Lord getting behind them. Suddenly, this great God-glorifying work and the city was protected and the people were safe and God was honoured. That's us. That's us. So it's a God work. It's not a man thing, Eden. I know it is. I know you've been in this room. It's not some coincidence. It's because the Lord wanted you to hear. And I believe it's because the Lord wanted to say, come on, guys, go again. Just go again. Go again. Just pour yourself out in those communities. Just keep going. Keep building the wall. Keep, keep on this great adventure and just see what Jesus does as we rescue another one, as we rescue another one. There's one more for you, Jesus. There's one more. There's one more act of kindness. There's one prayer prayed with tears in our eyes. There's one more, one more for Jesus, one more for you. Do you like the sound of it? Yeah. Just going to pray. Well, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that this is you. We know it is. We know you've called us to this work and you've proved yourself faithful again and again and again. And I pray, God, that you help us to be serious, more serious than ever. Thank you that we can laugh and joke and enjoy each other and enjoy your presence but we realize this is serious stuff this is war war for our young people who have too much law too much sex too many drugs too much alcohol too much chaos too much brokenness and they need more of you jesus pray for young people all over our communities just overflowing with jesus that you'll break in thank you for what we've seen we long for more and I really think the Lord wants to nail some of you, especially Eden team leaders, about prayer. He wants you to step up prayer. New prayer initiatives. United prayer, because we're not going to see what we want to see without that. And I feel like if that, that's all that came out of this weekend, what a result. That we're more devoted to prayer personally, but as teams. That we're people who keep prayer hot. We're good at keeping mission hot and in word and deed. But I, I just want... God and Holy Spirit, now I ask you to just challenge. And if, if that is you, I pray you'll help the leaders here, especially to respond to that in whatever it looks like. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.